Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Joe Adranya, an indie rock singer-songwriter hailing from New Orleans who performs under the moniker The Junior League. Upon the release of his single called The Stars in Our Eyes off the record Also Rans, Joe chats with Matt about being a multi-instrumentalist and what it's like to have full creative control over a record. They also chat about the New Orleans music scene, his songwriting process, and what it's like to put together a live show as a one-man band. Finally, with some notes on Joe's favorite hobby, reading, and his love of nonfiction literature in particular, here's presenting Matt Storm and Joe Adranya. And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest today is Joe of the Junior League. Joe, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, so, uh, I guess let's start by talking a little bit about the Junior League. Um, I got to listen to the newest record, also Rands, which I, I really, really liked. I like the kind of, uh, kind of old school 60 rock sound with the mix of modern indie. Um, when you set out to play music, did you always want to kind of play in that style or did you dabble a little bit before settling on that? Uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of like always been something I've been into, you know, the Beatles were my first love as a kid. And so everything kind of grew from that. And I, you know, um, you'd be familiar with this in New York. There's a station, uh, growing up, there was a station called WCBS FM in mm-hmm. New York. That was at the time, fifties, sixties, and maybe, maybe like 1970, you know? And so that was just incredibly informative as a kid. It's all I listened to. And so, yeah, I think, um, you know, outside of like the modern bands I got into uh, as a teen, the more modern bands, you know, everything is kind of focused for me uh, in that era, you know. So, yeah, it, that's probably where, where it all comes from. Okay. And so for the band, the Junior League, you do all of the writing uh, for all of the music, correct? Mm-hmm. And so, but you but you've brought in guest artists to help play on the albums or play live. Am I to correctly understand that? Yeah. You know, so basically... On the records, I'll play most of the stuff myself, but I'll have friends help me out uh, and play parts or, or come up with parts, you know, uh, for songs. And then when I play live, I've got I'm lucky because, you know, I'm centered in Louisiana right now. And, um, you know, I have friends here that play with me live. And then I also if I go to New York, too, I have friends that will play with me in New York or so I, I rely a lot on my friends to learn the songs and say, oh, you know, we'll play with you. And so I'm very fortunate that, you know, I, I have. A couple of different groups so I could play live. Otherwise, it would be very, very difficult. Have you played in other bands that were more like collaborative in the writing process, or have you kind of always set out to kind of do your own thing? Um, you know, I've been in bands before. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was in a band a long time ago uh, with one of the fellows that played on my last record and played on a, a previous record that I've done some writing with named JJ Murphy. Uh, we had been in bands together through college and stuff, and so that was more of a we had a, like a bit of a songwriting partnership in our previous band, but um, generally, no, you know, I, I when, if I played in other bands, I've been like, you know, just the drummer or you know whatever I'm asked to do. Generally speaking, and I, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. You know, mm-hmm. I'd rather just serve 
uh, serve a really great master. <laughs> there you go. All right. And um, how long have you been writing and making music as the uh, as the junior league? Since the early two thousands, I think it was around two thousand three or two thousand four is when I started uh, using that moniker. And um, and so yes, yeah, so it's been about that long. Yeah. And where did that come from? You just wanted to do something on your own, and so you, you at that point decided, hey, let me try this? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I wasn't sure. You know, I was writing songs. I had had a band in Florida, and I'd moved to Louisiana, and I was just kind of sat here bored, um, and I didn't know what I was going to do. It was like one of those times in your life where you're just like, well, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'm going to record a record, and... Uh, I'm just going to do this one record. I've got these songs I've written. I'm just going to do this one record. And uh, and I, I didn't really want to use my own name. I wanted to have a band name because of the whole 60s thing. I liked the idea of a band name. And I just came up with the Junior League. And I figured, well, I'll just do this one record. But then I had so much fun doing it. And it was like, I just kind of figured, well, I'm just going to keep going on. you know. So it, it really was somewhat not planned. you know. Uh, and, and really, it was going to see, I think... Saw the minus five in 2000 or 2002 maybe, and uh, that kind of spurred me on a lot. When I saw the minus five play live, I was like, you know, I want to do that again. I want to, and I, I want to kind of control it and and kind of be creative. And so ever since that, uh, I've just kept going. And so we mentioned earlier, you had said that you do all of the writing for for the junior league. Um, when you're writing music like this, do you find that the music, the instrumentation comes first, or do you come up with lyrics first and then kind of build around that? Or does it change based on the song? Uh, you know, normally I come up with musical ideas first, mm -hmm. and uh, lyrics are always kind of difficult for me. I, I have a hard time. Like, I'll write really, really terrible lyrics, uh, <laughs> you know, or, um, you know, just something I'll even, like, verbalize over demos just so I know what the melodies I want to sing, but... I don't always have like the lyrics set up. So usually the music comes first and then the lyrics come later. Sometimes I'll, I'll have lyrics that I want to use, but then I'll find that they don't really fit the, the, the pattern of the vocal melody I want, so I'll have to edit them anyway. So, um, But a lot of times the musical inspiration comes first. Gotcha. Okay. Um, have you ever found yourself in a place where you just can't get the the music to sound right? Have you like left like uh, uh, instrumentation behind because you couldn't make it fit the way you wanted to, and maybe gone back to it later? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, there are a lot of songs off of Also Rans um, that were that have been kicking around for a long time. As a matter of fact, the song Also Rans had been kicking around since, geez, uh, 2006, I think. I had I had done it and had slightly different lyrics and I just forgot about it. You know, I'd like, I, you know, I've written for every like good song I write, I probably write like, like six or seven terrible ones. So, you know, <laughs> I have like these backlogs of CDs of demos and tapes of demos. Now once in a while I'll go back and listen to something old night that I thought was absolute crap back then. And then I'm like, Oh wait, no, that's not so bad. And then I'll redo it. So, um, you know, some of the songs kick around for a while. And so it's good actually that I, you know, I go back and listen to something later and say, Oh, you know, I could do something with that now. Um, uh, and, and make it into something that because at first I may have thought, oh, this is terrible, and I I just didn't have the inspiration. But later on, you know, uh, for whatever reason, it comes together. And um, talking more about instrumentation and the writing process, um, so clearly you play a large variety of instruments. Or would you say there's any one instrument that you're maybe have perfected over the others, or are you kind of just 
really great with all of them. Like, where do you where do your strengths li- uh, <laughs> you know, lie instrumentally? I'm a fairly terrible musician. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a painfully average guitar player. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a, an aspiring bass player, and I, the drums are probably the instrument that I'm best at. I I grew up playing the drums, and I taught myself how to play drums playing along to Beatles records, believe it or not. And so oh, cool. that's the instrument I'm most comfortable with. But you know, I play guitar well enough to write, and I, I know I can get my ideas down in the studio, and I'm smart enough to get people who are way better than me than if I want to do something clever. I love playing bass because I like to pretend I'm like Paul McCartney or Chris Murphy on the bass, you know, and playing like nice. these really cool melodic bass parts. But like, um, I'm not, you know, the mo- the world's most awesome bass player, but I do enjoy it a lot, uh, and I'm a, a painfully. Uh, a- actually, I'm not even a painfully average. I'm just a terrible keyboard player. I'll usually try to get somebody <laughs> else to do that, but I can I can fake it enough on certain things, you know. Gotcha. So kind of the uh, the uh, mantra of fake it till you make it. You know, that's it. I never really cared much about being like a virtuoso musician. I just wanted to learn to play enough to like you know write, you know. Right. Sure. Um, what would you say is the strongest instrument you used for writing? Is it is it the guitar? Is that the one that you use to kind of put down the basics for the instrumentation probably yes yeah the guitar mm-hmm. okay um i want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the new the newly released single the stars in our eyes mm. which uh is off the album also rands which we mentioned talk a little bit about where the inspiration for that song came from well you know i i grew up on long island new york mm-hmm. and uh as a, as a youngster we would you know in the car uh, my father would listen to WCBS FM. My mom and dad had that on, and that was an oldies station at the time, which was, you know, I think it was the first of its kind actually that played, you know, an oldies format. And um, that song in particular is about uh, the drive. I had an aunt in Connecticut, and we used to drive down uh, the Merritt Parkway, which turned into the Hutchinson River Parkway, and then you'd go through the Bronx and over the Throgs Neck Bridge and and back to Long Island, and, and so CBS FM would be on. And there was a DJ named Norman Knight that would do the countdown. And on Sunday nights, you know, the, the Saturday night countdown was always like the 60s, but the Sunday night countdown was always the 50s. And so, you know, it could have been the, the countdown of 59, you know, uh, May of 59, you know, and this was the hit, you know. And, and we'd listen to it in the back seat, and I, I remember just looking out the window, and I loved the, the hucksh, you know, and I, I don't know, just I guess the song was kind of like an exercise in nostalgia, sometimes like just mm-hmm. home, you know. Um, sure. And that's, and that's basically, and the stars are dead before your time. You know, I was listening to all this music that I thought was brilliant and those people were already long gone, you know, not maybe dead, but you know, obviously as a, a, a genre or a musical force, it was over, you know? So. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, I want to say that for that song specifically, I mean, I really do like the entire record, but for that song specifically, there's this this kind of relatability that I think isn't in a lot of modern indie rock music. A lot of modern indie rock music is either kind of leans more towards kind of a storytelling kind of bluesy feel, which is okay, or, you know, something kind of more modern and abstract, whereas your lyrics seem very relatable, you know, whether it's in the moment or in the past and reflecting. And um, I think that's important. Do you, does emotion drive a lot of your songwriting? Um, well, thank you for saying that. And yeah, I, I, I suppose it does. You know, even if I'm, even if, I, if the song takes root, like if the root of the song is not necessarily personal to me, I try to personalize it. I use I a lot, and so I feel bad because I, I don't want you know. I would imagine that you know, listening to a lot of the songs, they sound kind of 
you know, maybe sad or whatever they are. But sometimes it's just a matter of like personalizing it to, to, to you know, to have something to write about. But um, I think that uh, I, I, a lot of times there is emotion. There is, you know, I, I draw a lot on the past. I draw a lot on things that meant stuff, you know, meant something to me. You know, um, I, I'm probably better at that than I am commenting on things I don't really know anything about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, yeah, sure. I don't think I could write like a, as you were describing before, like a bluesy-ish. I, I just, I don't know that I could do that, you know? And also I grew mm-hmm. up, I loved, you know, Morrissey. Uh, sure. Smiths. And so it's a lot easier to write about yourself and your, you know, insecurities or whatever than, <laughs> than uh, maybe to comment on other things. So I suppose. Sure. Well, I mean, when you're talking about what your own insecurities, odds are at least one other person has those same exact insecurities. Well, that, and so. Or you grew up with somebody who, you know, or you have a friend that, that went through something. And so you personalize it. You take it on you and you make something out of it. I mean, I'm not going to betray a friend's trust and write about their personal condition, but. You know, sure. There are things that influence you, and, you, and you, know, you, can, you can imagine what it's like, and so you write about it, you know, because, yeah, surely people would relate to things like that. We all go through the same kind of stuff, don't we? You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that, you know, uh, a lot of people like to think that they're the only one experiencing A, B, or C. So when music comes along that's really relatable and kind of. Uh, uh, in rapping, like kind of like a, like I compare your album to like a nice warm blanket, like it has ups and downs, highs and lows, but all in all, it's kind of meant to kind of just keep you, make you feel safe and warm, which which I really dig. Oh, thank you very much. Especially considering there's, I feel like there's so much music that's negative out there now, you know, and there's a place for angry negative music, you know, it's what you're expressing, but I don't know, I like the idea of kind of lamenting or thinking or even getting nostalgic, and I feel like not enough music does that anymore. Well, you know, and and that's one of the things too, uh, you know, that would make, like that made the Smiths really an effective group. You know, the songwriting was great. Mm-hmm. Morrissey was able to, you know, tap into to that very thing. You know, lamenting or you know, um, trying to make sense of these things that happened to us. And you know, and, and as a teenager, I don't know if you listen to the Smiths. You know, sure. When you, but but it, it was a huge thing. It was like well. Wow, yeah. somebody else feels this way. The awkwardness you feel when you're 14 or 15, you know. Or, you know, and sometimes the things that happen to you at 14 and 15, you know, you can be a grown person and still, you know, have some small aspect of that. You know, you can relate to it still. So, yeah, I think that's it's kind of cool. You know, it's, 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 um, it, it's a release, too. It's like a you need some sort of release for this emotion, you know. Otherwise, you, you just get stomach aches and feel terrible all the time, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm curious if anything else influences your music outside of um, just other musicians. Like, are there, are there other, any other art forms, you know, painting, books, video games, TV, whatever, that influences your songwriting as well at all? Um, maybe books uh, and, and pictures, you know? But, but a lot of times, you know, it's, it has to be something that reminds me of something or that like feels like something, you know, I, mm-hmm. I um, that's a, that's an interesting question. I never really thought about it, honestly. Like, but sometimes I see pictures of home, you know, or pictures of like, uh, the Orkney islands off of Scotland, you know, like, like there's yeah. certain things I just like, I, I, I feel connected to like seaports or things like that. And then it'll put me in a mood and then I'll just like maybe musically think, well, what would sound like that? 
But generally mm-hmm. speaking, to be truthful, a lot of times it's um, it's just music I you know that I'm hearing or that I'm, I'm you know that that fits a mood I'm in. Um, yeah, I really can't think of any particular book right now or or, or other art form that really pictures more than anything else probably you know yeah. but sometimes documentaries too you know when you watch a documentary that really puts you in a certain mood um, mm-hmm. sometimes that influences you know but uh yeah i never really actually gave it much thought i really should think about that <laughs> <laughs> no worries i i'm just always curious where people pull from a you lot. know because it's never the same answer twice and so i'm always interested about that um just kind of talking about that a little bit more um, when you're not writing music or making music or playing music, are there any hobbies or other arts that you do enjoy that isn't just music? Um, it's mainly music, to be honest, but I love reading. Yeah. I, I, I like to read a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that, that's not really an art. I mean, I suppose you're asking if I like take pictures sure. or, or write or anything like that. I, I mean, I, I would consider books an art form or just a hobby even. Um, is there a certain kind of book you prefer to read? Yeah, uh, I love nonfiction I love biographies. Oh, yeah? I love uh, history books. Um, there's an author named Rick Perlstein who mm-hmm. wrote uh, a three-part examination of the rise of conservatism in America uh, uh, the, before the storm, which was about the Goldwater years, Nixonland, which was about the 60s and early 70s, and then uh, I'm trying to remember the one he did about Reagan. I, I forget the name of the book, but they were fascinating. I, I love... Uh, particularly things about like the the baby boom generation or, or or things like that because that's all the music you know that fed into my interest in that time period or maybe Revolutionary War era stuff. Um, there was a great biography of Robert Moses by Robert Caro called uh, oh I can't remember the name of it um, the Power Broker. Oh, I love cool. stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll, oh man, if you give me a good book, forget about <laughs> it. Like you know, I'll just sit there and read and read and read and listen to music and. And, um, you know, eat a bowl of food and read, read, read. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I feel like also, and I'm, I must guess this is the same for you, you sometimes need downtime away from your art specifically. Have you ever been, like, working on an album and or working on a piece of music and then, like, during it you're just so stumped or frustrated that you needed to step away and do something else? Yes. Uh, you know, it, and it could be trying to nail a part, you know, uh-huh. Or it could be you're trying to work on a song and it's just not you're not playing the part correctly or you're 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 not the song isn't coming together in the way you'd hoped and uh, a lot of times what I'll do if that happens is I'll go um, you know I'll just go record shopping or or um, I'll go do something physical like like a, you know maybe go for a walk or or go work out or something just do something just to you know decompress yeah because I I, I tend to I think that I, I probably get myself really hyped up and I put a lot of pressure on myself because I feel like if I don't get it done now, I'm not going to get it done. And sometimes it's it's good for me to step away, um, going for a ride in the car, you know, listening to, you know, the monkeys or whatever the hell I'm listening to. <laughs> you know, no, seriously, and then just kind of like, you know, or going to get lunch or, you know, do something out of the ordinary that I wouldn't do normally, you know, because a lot of times mm-hmm. when I have free time, I, I, I want to go work on a song or I want to go try and get something done or accomplish something. And, uh, sometimes it's good to just relax and read a book or go for a drive for the hell of it. And, you know, don't, you know, so yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, I, sometimes I need to step away and it's really beneficial. 
So uh, the next thing I wanted to ask a little bit about is the area that you're living in now in Louisiana. Um, what's the music scene like there? I mean, I know like living in New York and you having been from New York, you know that we have a pretty thriving music scene here, depending on kind of even any level of play, whether it's a small venue act or a large venue act, there tends to be a lot of music in New York. How is the, how, what's that like in Louisiana and what kind of music is it? Well, you know, New Orleans is, I live in the New Orleans area. And, oh, awesome! You know, okay. So the, the, the musical culture here is very rich. Uh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of you know jazz and rhythm and blues and second line stuff and all. You know, it's well known what what goes on here. Um, in terms of what I do, it's very difficult because I don't know that that kind of pop rock music is necessarily that uh, that big of a deal around here, and 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 maybe rightly so because there's so much of a deep culture. Of, of jazz and rhythm and blues and everything else here. Um, it's amazing, you know, the, the people you can see play here, real legends, you know, that you, you, know, you go to any club and see. Um, there are rock bands and there are there is kind of a scene. I'm a little divorced from it, to be honest with you. I mean, I have my yeah. friends within that scene, but it's, um, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't really hang out so much you know i'll go see shows and things like that uh when i can but um i'm a bit divorced from it um just because i live a little bit outside of town as well so um but you know any night of the week though you can see just amazing music and so i think because of the 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 amount of choices people have um sometimes it's difficult to maybe build an audience uh as opposed to like being in Philadelphia or New York or Boston, you know, if you're doing a specific thing, like say you're a, you know, everybody loves genres. You know, if you're a power pop band sure. or you're a indie emo band, whatever, you know, there'll be an audience for that. Whereas here, it's it's not really necessarily like that. You know, um, yeah, Mike, Mike. Yeah, I mean, my experience when I was in New Orleans because I've only been there once was, you know, you pick a club at pretty much any club that has a musician playing and you could find anything you wanted and there's a huge selection and it's kind of a very the community is very tight in new orleans i've noticed and uh and i think it's cool that that it's such a music town even if it's not necessarily the music that you're playing that there's still that kind of outlet because it's i think just as important to sometimes experience music that's not the kind of music you play as well because that'll influence you just as much i feel oh like. no absolutely and 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 you know there there really are so many talented people here it's kind of extraordinary you can um as i say any given night of the week you can see you know uh, a multitude of 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 artists that are just you know, killing it on it, whether it's instrumental music or vocal music or, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so you can very easily be inspired by the energy uh, of, of this place. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really unique. And, and also you can drink in the streets. It's quite good. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, you know, it, it, it is, it's a fun place. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, uh, pop up, in various places that you wouldn't expect, you know, people guess with each other and there's a lot of people sitting in with each other. And, um, there's a lot of just really great musicians here. I must say there, there's a, a lot of amazing musicians. So it is a very cool place. Awesome. Yeah. It, it sounds like a, a great place for pretty much anything. So if you don't, if you're not, if the, if the music scene there is not really a scene that you're as involved in personally, do you tour a lot? Um, I, no, I, I, I actually don't. I, I'll play New York or I'll play 
mm-hmm. I, I'm more like I hit and miss. Like I'll, I'll if I have an opportunity to go do something, I'll go do it. Um, mm-hmm. I do play in town, you know, fairly regularly, you know. Um, yeah. It, but I, I just um, I it's it's not really uh, that big of a deal to me to go tour. I, I, I like recording gotcha. a lot, you know, and so mm-hmm. I, I go where it's easy for me and also because of my setup, you know, so I go I go to places where I have friends that are generous enough to give me their time and to play with me. And right. um you know, and it's fun. It's I, I really the upside of that is I really enjoy doing it when I do it. And I don't have that grind of feeling like I have to do it. Um gotcha. the downside of course is, you know, people like to see bands tour regularly, so, you know, I suppose I'm hurting myself by not doing it more, but you know, it works out just fine for me as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's not completely uncommon in the internet age now. I have a lot of friends who I've spoken to who are musicians who they love putting out music, but getting on tour is much harder. Like, there's a friend of mine, he's a rapper named Beefy, who um, he has a family, you know, and a baby and, you know, a day job. And so for him to tour is much harder, but he, he loves putting out music and he puts out really great music and he plays when he can, but he's got to, you know, it's a, it's not the only thing that he does. Well, and so, and that, and that's, and, and honestly, that, that's truthfully, you know, that's, that's my situation as well. I have a, a, a you know, I'm married, I've got a four year old son, uh, mm-hmm. music doesn't pay the bills. So I, I have a job <laughs> and, you know, and I love all those things, obviously, and I, I don't really, unless it's something I think is going to be really worthwhile, I'd, I'd rather not leave my wife and, and kid, you know. And, sure. and so it's understandable. I understand what your friend's going through, and, and but I do love to record, and I'm able to do it, and then people will listen to it. So, you know, we're very lucky in this day and age that we can kind of, you know, put art out there, and it's accessible to so many people, you know, so... um for sure. Would you say that your wife and your marriage and your your son affect your music writing at all? Uh, not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, well, no, to be truthful, I, you know, honestly, no, because if that were the case, you know, because my, you know, the, the songs tend to be a bit more melancholic and, and like mm-hmm. that. So I tend to focus on things, as I say, that uh, friends are going through or things that I experienced in the past. I, you know, if I wrote about my son, for say. You know, every song would be, you know, you're so cool, you're the best, I love you, you know, which (laughs) is much harder to write. Uh, Sure. You know, and and I really haven't, um, I did write a song for my wife once, there was a song off a a record I did called You Should Be Happy called um, Kaleidoscopes, which I wrote for her, and it's like the one like nice romantic song (laughs) uh, (laughs) in the the catalog, Uh, and that was, you know, that was for her. But otherwise, you know, uh, it's difficult to write about things that make you happy, I think. I find it more difficult to write about happy topics than I do to write about, you know, anger and spite <laughs> and right. all those things that well, make for good lyrical content. <laughs> sure. Well, I think, you know, negative emotions and strife and all of those things, they, they can hit deeper faster. And so I think it's easier to pull from those wells. You know, I've, I'm sure that people... I, people do write about write happy music and about happy things, but but I do find that a lot of my friends who are artists feel the same way. Like it's easier for them to write about the negative things in their life than the positive. And, and also sometimes you know by writing about things that are maybe darker, you know, it alleviates uh, uh, that that kind of darkness in a way. Sure, um, you're you're kind of venting. If you yeah, and, and like I say, even if it isn't like you know personal venting, it's still. Uh, yeah, and some songs, you know, they 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 might seem 
as if they're negative or darker, but they're really not. You know, like the, there's a hopefulness. There's something there that, like, I've always found Morrissey, for example, we talked about him before. His lyrics to me always seem to be, um, even though they, they, on casual listen, they might seem depressing or whatever. I, I don't, I find them quite humorous. And, you know, I, I, as a teenager, you know, listening to that stuff as it came out, it was hopeful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's not always, I think, it's as clear-cut as we, we think it is, you know? Well, sure. I think that there's a lot of room for interpretation in music, and I think that's what's best about music that you can kind of relate to or attach yourself to is the artist could have been in a completely different mindset when they wrote it, but as long as you get something personal from it, even if it's not the message intended by the musician, I mean, uh, ultimately, once music, I feel like, is released, it's no longer the artist's. It's it belongs to the fan. It belongs to the listener because they personalize it the way they want to. God, it's so funny you mentioned that because, you know, Michael Nesmith um, of the monkeys, you know, he had a monkey song mm-hmm. called Tapioca Tundra. I don't know if you're a monkeys fan, but I am. I, I quite enjoy it. cannot that. be a part of me. Now it's part of you. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, and the monkeys, that's another band where, you know, a lot of those lyrics are hopeful lyrics or happy lyrics, you know, not all of them, of course, but, uh, sure. and it, it, it you know there is um, a joyousness, but that that one lyric—it's funny that you just mentioned about the, the the audience owning it. You know that that one lyric stands out in my mind. It cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you, and it's it's yeah. true. It's really true. I feel like that's about any experience too, or any art. Like once you put it out there, once you let go of it, whatever you had attached to it is still part of it, but it doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the person who's interpreting or enjoying it. And I think that's why a lot of art is really powerful, especially music, because you can, like, unless you're using specific names and places, and even then, you know, using proper nouns, you could probably still find a way to apply it to yourself. So I, I, I like that versatili- versatility in art, especially music. And I like when artists recognize that as well. Like, you know, I know, uh, like R.E.M., you know, I think every time those guys probably played Losing My Religion, I think Michael Stipe introduced it as like, you know, this song isn't belong to, it's not ours anymore, it's yours. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that's, I think it's really cool when artists recognize that as well. And they don't try and force their interpretation of what it means you know, let people, let it be theirs, you know, whatever that is sure. going to be, you know. For sure. Sure. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and go back to talking about your live performances. Sure. Um, when you play live, do you have a favorite song that you prefer to play? I know that's like a Sophie's Choice kind of <laughs> pick one song, but do you have a, like a selection of songs that you like prefer to play f- at certain times because they get you going or you like how they sound live or something like that? Uh I don't know. You know, I never really thought about that. I, it depends on what I'm doing. Like, if I'm playing an acoustic show, there's certain songs I like to play because I know that I'm going to perform them well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the comfort level for me is good, so I feel like I can put it over well and people will appreciate it. Uh, playing electric, um, I, I, I love when I play a song that I haven't been able to play before or, or that just haven't, that hasn't occurred to me to play before. And, you know my friends and I, we, we, we nail it or we play it well. And it's so much fun. It's like, Oh my God, we did it. You know, cool. It's yeah. not a great, you know? Um, I think there's certain songs that, that are, are comfortable to play. I, I do have a couple of those where like, I know it's going to sound good, you know? And so I'm comfortable. Um, uh, but I can't really think of a particular song. I have been really enjoying playing the stars in our eyes mm-hmm. because I, I really, I enjoy singing it and I know, mm-hmm. you know, and it's new 
it's newer, so it, you know it's fun. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a song. Oh, there's a song off the record called "A Dagger and a Kiss," and that has been so much fun to play. I've actually really enjoyed playing that song a lot live. It just mm-hmm. feels good. So um, yeah, you know it's fun to play guitar on, and you know uh, I like doing covers. Sometimes I throw covers in. Uh, oh yeah, what's your favorite cover to play oh, live? Boy, man, I did. Uh, I did Think It Over by Buddy Holly once, and I really enjoyed that. Oh, nice. And I did Grand on Wee by Michael Nesmith, and I really enjoyed that as well. I mean, I'm a monkeys geek. I have a monkeys band sure. here. Uh, that's how, <laughs> you know, crazy. Uh, so it's fun to do that as well. I just, honestly, I'm, if I'm really being truthful about it, I love when it comes together and we pull it off because I'm so lucky to have friends play with me. You know, these guys... It's not like they're getting rich playing with me, you know what I mean? They, they learn all the songs and they play them. With, I had a friend, my friend, uh, Michael Giblin, who's in a, a great band called The Split Squad. Uh, he was in Cherry Twister. He's a, he's a great guy. He, you know, drove up from Philly to play with me in New York, you know, for very little financial reward. This is my pal. He's my friend. And we played together mm-hmm. in the Minus Five. And, we, and he, he, you know, he came up and, he, and it was so much fun. It was like, wow, here I am with my friends and we pulled it off. This this collection of guys, you know, and we did it, and so I think that that's that's the pleasure. It's like wow, I'm, I, it's I, I feel really uh, grateful, and and so all the songs are fun, and I'm lucky because I I have all these different configurations of friends that put their own spin on it, and it always winds up sounding good. I'm very very fortunate. So yeah, and, and that I think is a real like that camaraderie must show in the performance. I'm sure it does. Uh, we're looking at each other and we're friends. You know what I'm saying? Like so, yeah. whether it's my friends, you know, DC and Lee down here, or if it's JJ and Michael up north, or you know, they're, they're my friends, and, and and here I am with my friends, and we're playing my songs. They're nice enough to do this. I mean, it's it's kind of extraordinary. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your friends, since you had a few of them play on your new record. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Jay Ferguson and Scott McCoffrey. Um, McCoy. McCoy. Yes. I don't know how to speak tonight. <laughs> um, so Jay Ferguson and Scott McCoy. Um, so are they people who you just thought as you were writing this, these songs, like they need to play these parts or was it something that after everything was set and done, they came in and you let them kind of play with what you had created? Um, well, first of all, you know, Scott and Jay are, are friends of mine, but they, they, I'm fans of theirs. I, I absolutely <laughs> love and respect those guys. They, they, um, you know, they, they, I think they're amazing writers and performers and musicians. They, they are just, I, you know, if I'm going to sit around on a Friday night and have a glass of wine and listen to records, it's probably going to be a minus five or a Sloan record or a Beatles record. You know, so, um, but they're my friends, and, and they, they've been very, very generous with their time with me. Um, I, I'm in a position where if I need help on something, and I know that they would be able to, you know, help me, and that, that I'll, I'll say, hey, could, could, would you mind please checking out this song for me? You know, what do you think? What should I do? I, I, I kind of have this vibe for it. And and you know Scott has been incredibly helpful to me over the years. He's he's just done amazing stuff for me. Uh, he's an amazing arranger, musician, and writer. So you know I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. for that help. Um, and Jay, of course, is the same thing. I, I with that song on off that he played on, I I needed something, and I I just didn't know what to do. And and I said, Jay, would you mind listening to this song? You know, what do you think? Like, and he said, Oh well, I would do this. I'm like, Would you mind doing that? And he's like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. You know, so I'm I'm just very very lucky. 
You know, they they just uh, generously give of their time. Well, that's really great. I think it's it's nice to have you know a sounding board. You know, if you're just making things in a vacuum, you don't you don't know anything really. It's hard to really learn from that. But if you have people supporting you who will give you an honest opinion and even support the work you're doing yourself, I think that's kind of you know that's invaluable. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I, like I say, it's a, it's kind of amazing to me. I, I just I'm like you know. They're they're amazing artists. So what are they doing with you know messing around? With me? <laughs> you know, I mean seriously. But and I, they've been very good. For, you know, they're both friends of mine. And I, 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 you know, not not only am I a fan of what they do, but I mean personally, they're good people. They're very good people, and they've been good friends. So, you know, I'm lucky. Yeah, no, and and I think that comes through also in the music. You know, when there's a kind of heart behind it, a kind of camaraderie behind it. You know, you can you can tell the difference. Like uh, my favorite example is uh, the band White Zombie that Rob Zombie used to be in. Um, their first couple of albums kind of have this cohesion that's unmistakable. But then anything after that, or when you saw them live post those two records, it was like, who are these guys? Like why? Like why are they even playing together? And it, that came out later that they had tons of issues and they never got along. And I feel like that kind of animosity translates into the music too. Yeah, well, it's funny. The, I think they're the White Zombie bass player. I, I don't know. Her, I think is her name Sean. She lives here. I believe so. Yeah. Here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I met her actually. I don't really, you know. But but um. But in, in any event, I, I think I agree with you. I think that sometimes that tension serves the music well depending on what the situation is, you know, some people will point to, you know, Richard Linda Thompson's shoot out the lights or, uh, you know, I don't know, Oasis or something or the kinks. Um, but for me, I, you know, I think I, yeah, I think the camaraderie really, you know, uh, fuels, uh, creativity, um, and good things, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit now about modern music. We were talking earlier about how oh, <clears throat> writing music now is kind of different from writing it in the past and how there's more access. Do you feel like the Internet age and, say, social media supports what you do and is a good tool for, for promoting what you, what you do? Uh, yes, I, I do. I think it, it makes it much easier. You know, having been in bands in the 90s and, 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 and played around in the late 80s, it's, it's, you know, it's much easier now. And, and you can, you know, access so many more people, you know, because of social media. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, 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 if you want to just make an EP, let's say, and put it up on Bandcamp or something or on iTunes, you know, you can do it. If you have, you know, three songs that you think are really great, you can knock them out and release them the week you record them. That's incredibly exciting. Sure. Um, and, and, and there's going to probably be some audience for it. It's uh, that's an extraordinary thing, especially for somebody who grew up, you know, when you know you had to go to a certain record stores to get to certain artists or certain imports, you know. And now it's wide sure. open, you know. Yeah, I, I I miss that a little bit. Like I'll always, if I'm anywhere that has an independent music store that has vinyl records, I can thumb through. Like I'll always go look because I have this need for physical things, which my wife doesn't really love. Um, although she's her fair share of stuff too. But like I love a physical CD or a physical album. There's something about being able to hold it in your hands. But just the same, like so many artists that I'm really into who put out music, I want to get it the day it comes out. And now. You don't have to worry about pre-ordering or having it shipped. Like you just go on Bandcamp or iTunes and just press a button and you get it. And I, I like that accessibility, you know, because I want to support the artists 
and the art that I like. You know, it's even Spotify, while it's not perfect, at least they're charging, they give you the option to char- to buy their service and they pay the musician something. It, it's at least something to counteract the theft of music. You know, I, even though it's an experience, I feel like, you know, the artists should be compensated for the hard work that they do. And I feel like a lot of these new accessible services make that easier because once it's a click of a button you know and it's 9.99 like of course i'll buy that album sure why not you know well yeah and, and, and you know i would I, I love physical product as well i love i still buy records it's still my 45s you know um but you know i have an apple music account as well and it's really nice sure. that that day i you know i can hear whatever's coming out and then i'll, I'll still go about out and buy the record as well you know um, but it's yeah we're we're very fortunate. It, it, God, I remember waiting for imports. You know, bands I liked from England. You know, and it was like it was amazing when you held it in your hand. Like I can't believe I have it in my hand. Whereas now it's it's easy. In a way, it's good, and maybe in another way, it's not so good. I don't know. I have to think about that. But um, it's you know I don't know. It, I, I like being able to have so much music at my fingertips. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like I'm one of the only crazy people who still has a regular iPod Classic, but it's because it's 160 gigs and I can carry over 6,000 songs with me, which is a good chunk of my digital library. Right. You know, and that's important to me. Like, a lot of people think it's silly. Well, are you going to listen to every song? I'm like, well, not in a row, obviously, but I'm passionate enough about music that if I want to listen to The Smiths, I want to listen to The Smiths. But if I feel like listening to Justin Timberlake, I want to be able to pull that up, too. Right. You know? You know, whereas with just an album, you, you it's that album. And, you know, I like listening to stuff on an album level anyway, but, but sometimes you're not in the mood for an album. You want a nice mix of stuff. Yeah. And, and I appreciate how modern technology has made that a lot easier. Yeah, you can switch gears very easily, or you can make really interesting mixes for yourself that, you know, um, really jump genres, you know, and you don't have to worry about, like, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy. It's, it's like, why wouldn't you, you know? Totally. Um, uh, I, I guess as we start to wrap up, the next thing I really wanted to ask, which I like asking musicians, is, you know, as someone who's writing and creating his own music and doing it on his own, um, what would you recommend to the, the artist or musician or writer out there who's trying to get it done? What would be the one piece of advice you'd give that maybe you didn't have when you started? Hmm. Um. Oh, that's a good question. I I guess, you know, don't be afraid to just do whatever you feel like doing at a given, you know, at any given moment. Just do it. And it, you know, not everything has to be something you're going to put out. Not everything has to be, you know, you're not on a timeline necessarily. You, you know, go ahead and if you want to spend a day recording covers for yourself just to be inspired, do it. If you want to record a song that's outside of what you think is your comfort zone do it you know you know if you're an indie pop guy and you want to record a metal song go ahead and do it you know just do whatever the hell you feel like doing um i think that's you know i think a lot of times people feel just boxed in by what they're supposed to do and you don't really have to do anything there's no rules yeah i think that that's kind of the problem one of the downsides to modern internet culture is that everyone's a critic yeah even people who shouldn't be critics and like 
you know, there's that fear of putting yourself out there. Because, I mean, when you put yourself out there, you're essentially putting your heart out on the Internet and people could crap all over it. Nobody likes that. And so but I think you're right. I think you still have to be brave and do it and take that criticism and just if you if it's what you love, keep doing or or don't even like, you know, like, you know, not everything has to be for public consumption either. No, sure. You know, the anonymity of the internet allows people to be as cruel as they want to. You know, uh, as we both know, I, I think that <laughs> you know, but but not everything has to be for public consumption. Sometimes you just want to do something for the fun of doing it for yourself. It doesn't have to be for anybody else. It can just be for yourself. And so, you know, get all those ideas out of your system. And and you know, what the hell? It's, it was a fun afternoon to record a song that's silly. You know, what's the harm in that? There's you know, not everything it has to be, you know, well, I gotta get, I gotta, I did this, I gotta put it out there, you know? Right. For sure. Yeah. I think that's important too, is like letting things exist for you. And if that's something you want to share later, that's great too, but it's okay to just want to do stuff for yourself. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it, you know, being selfish in that respect, be, thinking of just yourself in those moments is not a bad thing because it only helps build what you're trying to build. That's right. Um, all right, Joe, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, you know, uh, I'd love to support you and what you do. I love the new record. Um, tell the people on the Internet where they can find the record and where they can find you on the Internet. Okay, well, um, I have a website, www.thejrleague.com, uh, um, and uh, on Facebook, I think it's facebook.com slash the JR League, I think it's the JR League. Um, I'm on Bandcamp, and Twitter, it's the, at the Junior League, all spelled out. Uh, so I'm I'm on iTunes. I'm you know, Cool Cat Music. They sell the physical products, so I'm uh, I'm around. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, next time you're in New York, please let me know. I would love to come to see you play live. Um, and if I'm in New Orleans again, I'll make sure to let you. Oh, know. Oh no, please do. It'd be great. It'd be great to see you. And I, I do appreciate you having me on and. And, and thank My you pleasure. for the excellent conversation. Uh, I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. I, 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 I mean, I mostly started this show for this, the kind of just casual but in-depth and passionate conversation about music and musicians and even just in art, art in general. And I think that's something that there's not enough of. There, are, you know, I wouldn't say that my podcast is super original, but I think the idea of coming at art and anything related to art from this kind of casual but passionate path is not super common. And I think it's important for that kind of conversation because it just breeds more art and more conversation. No, and it was quite enjoyable for me. I mean, I thought it was very interesting. You And you asked me questions that really stumped me. I, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so I hope I didn't sound like an idiot, but I really was, oh, I was no. into our conversation. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Um, I'm happy to do it. Uh, please come back on the show again sometime. And if you're in New York, let me know. Um, and yeah, uh, I guess the last thing I'd ask you to do is we have a saying on this podcast and my other podcast, and I would love if you would say it for me sure. um, as our official sign off. And it's music is life and life is good. Okay. Uh, music is life and life is good. Thank you, Joe. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.